Welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. I'm Joey Roberts. Do that. So we got pretty boring. And that's kind of what it's about is, is being boring, mastering the mundane. And we've known that for a while, but it's hard. As, as entrepreneurs, we want all the shiny things. We want to do this. We want to do that. We have all these ideas. And this just... Amanda Balcazar, welcome to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Congratulations on being an Amazon seller. For over 17 years, you've been selling products since 2006. It's an honor to have you on to dig into your staying power and what it takes to ride the waves of being an Amazon seller and how you built your business with your husband while raising your adorable little girl and, of course, your famous dogs. Uh, Awesome. Thank you, Joey. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so excited that you agreed to join me today because we first met, it's been definitely over a year because we met at the Billion Dollar Seller Summit in Austin. And I was so impressed with the dynamic with you and your husband, John, as business partners. And, you know, he's been in your business with you at the beginning and then fully joined you. And so I think you guys have been working together for like 15 years. So what is your secret to this business partnership, and the marriage. Yeah, secret. Gosh, there's so many things because you, I mean, obviously over that time, just like with anybody in their relationship, no matter what they're doing, there's a lot of evolution that goes on. So um, we did not anticipate this was going to be, I mean, nothing that we're doing. We like anticipated or did it very, um, you know, consciously. We didn't have the vision to have our brand on Amazon when we first got together. Um, But we really respected each other when we first got together. We met um, at work. We were right after college. I, for a minute, did mortgages. And he was at a a brokerage that I um, went to work for for a minute and then uh, just started, you know, uh, flipping books. Right. And so from that, we then shortly after got together and it was just that, um, I don't know, keeping it fun. I think, honestly, the biggest thing is that respect. We really were vastly different highly stubborn um, on both ends, like off the charts, pretty much. Not just me saying this, but it's been basically clinically diagnosed. Not clinically, but <laughs> you know, you go through all of those business tests. It's legit. Like we had a friend that did a, like a corporate test on us to see you and he was just like, just for fun to see because we're business partners, right? He's like, how do you guys, how do you guys work together? And how are you guys married? Because, whew, but it's, you know, there's, there's that because there is, it's very cool that we see things so differently. I think that definitely aids in our success. However, um, that can cause a lot of friction. But when you respect that and you respect each other and you respect the other person's opinions and thoughts and all of that, um, that really helps you to have a great relationship and a great, you know, business relationship. And I think that is probably the number one thing, really. I love it. Yeah, respect is big and respect helps set boundaries because you respect where your part starts and ends and where his starts and ends. And let's go back a little bit. So you said you were flipping books and you and John were at that time co-workers. So that's how you started selling. You were flipping books. Yeah. Yeah. I just I started doing it on the side. Um, I was doing very well at in, in mortgages. That was a really fun time. Again, a short stint because for some reason, you know, I just started doing this. I and and it started taking off. Um, and I was like, man, I was like, I, I don't know. I think I could do this on my own. And it's funny because I had just purchased my first house 
And everybody's like, you're bananas. Like, you're just going to, what are you going to do? And I think being in mortgages, I was like, I, I can do this. I see the payment. I do whatever, like calculations, What it's going to work out. So um, I just jumped. And um, John was, at that time, he went from mortgages to finance for a minute. And he was helping me at, um, you know, on the side or whatever. And um, we just continued to grow that. And there just came a time when we just looked at this, we're like, man, you know, hey, why don't you just come home? We can definitely surpass, you know, your income, right? He was just starting building a book of business. So that wasn't it. You know, but there was that hesitation on, oh, there's benefits right. and health insurance and all this, right? And we're, we we want security. And that was the kind of thing. But then it just got to the point where we're like, let's just do it. We didn't have my daughter yet. You know, thankfully, we were healthy. So we didn't, there wasn't this big overlooming thing that like freaked us out. We're like, let's just jump. Worst case, we'll be able to go and, you know, find jobs if, if need be, but let's do this. So we did it and never looked back. So 2008, we've been working together full time ever since. That's incredible. Normally, it's like one person quits their job and then you have to prove the business replaces it. And I absolutely love that together you went on this adventure and that probably helps solidify your relationship. And, um, you know, you guys are pretty young at that age. And when I was in my early almost to mid 20s, you know, I bought a house in San Francisco. I was working for NBC News. I was doing great. You were doing great in the mortgage world. So I get it. Like I did buy a house too. Um, looking back, I should not have bought a house. I don't know what I was was thinking. And it was San Francisco. And that was insane and crazy. But I love like I feel a, a part of me when you said that, like, oh, I I just went out and bought a house. I'm like, OK, you're obviously in your 20s, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was early. It was early 20s. And I mean, at that time, it was like renting. So I just did the math. And of course, being in mortgages, I think I saw all the numbers. Right. So pre 2008, because that's when I bought it, because I couldn't forecast that roll up, whatever. So it was hindsight. Um, Oh, my gosh. But anyways, so I mean, seeing the numbers that it was just black and white, like I continue to do this or I can, you know, be res- buy a house. Right. So anyways, um, I yeah, got stuck with that house for gosh, forever. We had to rent it out and stuff because it was the wrong time. But anyways, all that to say, yeah, it is what it is. It, it, you know what? And it, and it lessens and it's just experience and everybody goes through different things there, too. So um, I'm glad I learned that on my starter home instead of, you know, other stuff It gave me a little bit more uh, experience in that space to be more conscious of, um, you know, purchases later on. Exactly. And speaking of a starter home, everybody gets starter products and you get a starter something when you're on Amazon. And it doesn't matter if your starter product grows from zero to a million in your first year or if your starter product only sells 10 units. It's the fact that you you started. And I love that um, we're transitioning from like you bought your house and the mortgage is your starter house and you were in your starter product flipping books. And yeah. How did you transition into the the pet space? Yeah, so um, wildly uh, unsexy <laughs> flipping books, right? So that was just something that um, we just really enjoyed with the with the two of us being able to travel, and we didn't have, like I said, we didn't have our our daughter, and we just got really good at it, and then. We're in Michigan and we started importing books from Canada and we have such wild, fun stories and adventures from doing that stuff and just um, just running around together. And that's why we continue to do it. While we did, you know, do very well, it 
wasn't something that we could scale. And we did know like on the horizon, like this is great that we're doing this, but the long game, this isn't what we want to do for the long game. And when I had my daughter um, in 2016 is when that kind of really came to a head because literally we would have to physically go and get these products for the most part. And so um, we weren't looking to train a team at that time and and kind of integrate that. That was a different piece of the business that we really pushed off um, for some time. And so we also looked at it and we're like, I don't, it's just not something that we wanted to do to scale that. So we recognized that we would need to do something different. And that's when we decided to say, hey, we need, we need to do this private label stuff. Like we you know, went from books to then we were flipping like RAOA, um, doing that for a little while. And so we had a good understanding of Amazon um, and, you know, that entire ecosystem. However, private label and building your own brand is definitely different. And so when we went into that space, we were deciding on what product we were going to do. And it was either going to be baby stuff, just had a baby, or pet stuff because we were heavily involved in dog rescue, our entire relationship. So um, our hearts were with both those things. We chose dog stuff because figured in the baby, there's probably a lot more liability and risk. <laughs> so that was really kind of the deciding factor. I was like, I kind of like dogs better than babies, though. They like that. But I'm just like, I think the risk associated. I mean, man, and that's the thing. Dog owners, like our customer base, I love them. Dog people are the best. I mean, they totally, dogs are the best. Dog people are the best. Um, There could be few and far between uh, jerks that adore their dogs. They're just not, they're just not jerk off people. So if you own a dog, high five to you. If you love your dog and treat them like family, we love you. Um, But so that's what we did. And we just kind of stumbled upon our initial product because we knew it was something that we wanted for our dogs. It was a premium product. And we knew that the rescues that we were involved in, it was very challenging for them to get this product because it was so expensive. So we were like, oh gosh, it's a premium product, but it's really good. This is what all of the the rescues want to um, have for their dogs to help like train and do different things with them. So we decided to source it as like, let's just buy it. We, it actually wasn't going to be a, our product initially. We just wanted to source it in bulk so that we could get it and be able to help our the rescues get it at a discounted rate, right? To get it at wholesale. But you had to buy in bulk. So we did that. And then once we had it, we're like, okay, we're like, maybe we should start selling this product. Um, it was such a, it's such a pain in the ass product. I know I'm not getting into too much detail on it, but it really, really was a pain in the ass product. Um, and that's kind of the thing I kind of leads into what we were talking about before, kind of like this sticking power. Um, there's a fine line between like holding on to something and not being able to let go or recognizing that you just need to push through, um, and get over that hump with something because everything has problems, right? You just have to choose what problems you want to solve for. And so when we were you know, knee deep into this type of product and we were pushing so hard, we started chipping away at those problems. Then we started recognizing that nobody else wants to deal with this product because it's such a pain in the ass. So we're like, this is this could be good because we're solving for this stuff that really, if if we came to it and looked at it intelligently from the initially, we wouldn't have picked that product. There's so many things we just wouldn't have picked it. Um, but again, once we kind of just sludged through it, stubborn persistence, whatever, we started to recognize that that was actually 
you know, a good thing at that point, only because we did choose to solve for all this stuff that was kind of a, a very challenging path to go down. So that was the way we ended up down in pets. And um, yeah, we, we just stuck it out there and just started to to build and layer on different product categories. And that's how we went into that space. And that's the ultimate way to find a product that is most likely going to have the staying power because you're solving a problem nobody really wants to solve. They want it solved, but they don't want to do the work to do it. So listeners, if you're listening, go solve problems that other people don't want to solve. That is brilliant. I love that, Amanda. Yeah. That That's so yeah. cool. And And the hard work has paid off. You guys are now... You said that was 2018. Yeah. So I think we probably so because we did rebrand. So our new brand started in 2018, but we had a really crappy brand name <laughs> in 2017. Um. So, yeah, we 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 rebranded in 2018. But yeah, the, it got going in like 2017. OK, so I mean, the brand's been around for, um, you know, f- almost six years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's growing and you're going to. Yeah hit phenomenal numbers this year. So yeah, huge congratulations. So what is the growth looked like? Because I know once you, you know, get past the million dollar selling mark and, and you, you're growing, you have to take on employees and you have to expand. So what is, yes. what did expansion, what was the tipping point? What did that look like? You know what? Um, I think this is one of the things that I have been pretty good at is being able to anticipate and identify our deficits ahead of time. So when we are, uh, you know, when we were going through, we, we never really hit a wall, but I can see like I for some reason, like I can tell like we could be like, oh, this is great. Everything's growing. Everything's happening. But I recognize that that's short lived. Like I can see the OK, there's things that this is great that we're growing but that's we're going to we are going to hit that wall. So because of that, I've been able to anticipate and our growth has actually been fantastic um, pretty much the entire time. But when expansion comes into place, there's so much that you can do in your business. And there's so many different thing, plate areas that you can go into. And I do think that one of the things that j- truly helped us is um, I in the beginning of 2020, I read a book called Essentialism. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. Okay. So I read that book and then COVID hit. And prior to that, I was doing a lot of, we had just got into um, like kind of going to conferences and stuff. We had never, you know, traveled up until I think 2018 was the first time we ever went to anything. And we had been selling for so long. And so when I was there, we're like, oh my gosh, there's, you know, all these people are also selling online. It's great to connect. And so we did a lot of traveling that previous year. But then again, so then read, read Essentialism and it's basically um, kind of set the tone once uh, COVID hit that it really solidified and made us stop. And I am not thankful for COVID whatsoever, but I think there's always a lesson that you can learn. You have to see the silver lining. You have to be grateful and understand and, and take something away. And so what it did for me is it really solidified that book. And I and we were like, you know what? There's a lot of unknowns right now. People are freaking out, whatever. What are we going to do? We're going to recognize that this is a thing, but we're going to put on our blinders and we're going to double down on what we know what works. We're not testing a bunch of stuff out. We're not doing what worked before. Let's focus and do that. So we got pretty boring. And that's kind of what it's about is is 
being boring, mastering the mundane. And we've known that for a while, but it's hard. As, as entrepreneurs, we want all the shiny things. We want to do this. We want to do that. We have all these ideas. And this just really, not only did it force us between, like I said, with COVID and solidified the principles in that book, but it gave us like real life experience in that, that validated this is the way. And so that it just made us so disciplined in what we were doing and keeping it basic and keeping it focused. Um, and then always being a student and learning from other people. I swear every time, and we just talked about meeting at BDSS, um, yeah. constantly learning. I mean, the, thankfully, I, I go into these, whether it's diff these different events or these different rooms or meeting people, and we are constantly learning. I just feel like a little student all the time. And then so when I get asked to like, hey, come and share stuff, I'm like, I, you know, do I really know? Because I'm always like, yes, I have you know, what I've learned, but I'm always trying to like learn that next thing because I know that in order to continue to grow, I need to change. I need to learn what got me here is not going to get me there. Right. So, um, yeah. And it's investing in yourself. And as entrepreneurs, we're not in traditional jobs. So we're not learning from our superiors or our coworkers. So we do have to invest in ourselves and go to events and learn. And it is the constant learning. And I kind of you can tie those two together with going to events and being impressed and learning from those who are doing similar to you, something different. And then also going back to the um, essentialism about really learning how to do less, but you can achieve the highest possible return. And that applies not only to your work life, but also just just in in life in general. And it's beautiful that you can apply it and segue that in into work. And that's really how I view building an Amazon business is you can try things if they're not serving you, then you need to do less. I, I, my five tips to grow from zero to a million, that's it. I just have five proven methods that I did to grow from zero to a million. And I end everything with as ASAP, as simple as possible. That's awesome. Spot on. Spot on. Take that. Don, that's a wrap. Everybody take that information and go kick butt on Amazon. <laughs> yes. You're listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. If you like what you're hearing, click the subscribe button. We have new content coming out all the time and you don't want to miss out. COVID, to your point, was either up or down for brands. Like my brand, um, one of the reasons I wanted to sell what I was selling is because I was like, this is going to be a phenomenal COVID product because it was an outdoor product. I love outdoor uh, recreational products anyway, but during COVID, most people selling those saw a spike. And then for you, um, that was kind of your opportunity to really look inward at at your brand, right? Yeah, for sure. And I will say your brand is beautiful. I mean, I absolutely love you guys, which is unique. Um, you guys put your your story out there. And it draws people in. And you're, you just shared some of the story with um, being passionate about rescues. Yeah. And I love that because I sell a brand I'm passionate about now with my women's health products. But my first brand, I my face was not on it at all. And I wasn't on the website telling my story. Yeah. Yeah. I You know, it, and it wasn't, again, 
I would love to say that everything that we did was calculated. Um, and, you know, we had this great business plan and this that, and the other. And it's just not <laughs> like we just we just did stuff and tried stuff and, you know, messed stuff up. Like I said, we had to rebrand. It was horrible. Um, and then we just kind of like figured it out along the way. So now we can get a little bit more intentional. Um, and, and to your point about, you know, scaling and looking to have to build a team and what is that transition when you are growing and really recognizing what you need to do and in order to grow so that you don't hit a wall. Um, so now we are at the point to where we are able to be more strategic and actually take a step back with still not again get it's it's still relatively simplistic actually it's it's very simplistic um we just recently started working with an executive coach in the past few months and that has been fantastic and what he what he's doing is he's solidifying what i just shared with you about like the essentialism and you know having that clear focus and you know really not getting distracted with all the things like make sure to know like what is your end goal work it backwards but then be hyper focused on that. And that's it. And so there's with that, there's other things that you're going to be able to recognize in order to hit that goal. And then again, with with me, I can see those deficiencies like we would have to hire or there's no way that I can t- continue to do this, this and this. And you're doing this. And if we grow. So if we double like we we can't scale ourselves. So we are going to have to either choose. So this is this was a pivotal moment um, over the past like year and a half is we really had to decide if we wanted to build a team because you can run a significant size business without a team, but you will hit a wall. There, I mean, there is a certain level where you're going to need more and you're going to want more meat and power or you're just owning a job and you're going to drive yourself crazy, right? And we had to decide, Do we were looking to potentially, do we want to exit um, or do we want to continue to build because a, a different level, a different devil. So we had to analyze that and say, okay, which, which one do we want to do? And John and I had to come together on that because we... He, either have like different wants or needs or whatever it is. I'm going to say, okay, well, let's look realistically at what it's going to take for us to do this. Do we want to do this? And it got to the point to where we're like, yeah, we're ready for that next level. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be uncomfortable for a little while, but that's just part of it. That's part of the journey and that's part of growth. So, you know, let's let's do it. Let's continue to take this on, you know, and if it reaches a point to where we do recognize no, we don't want to continue to ascend to this brand. That's when we can take another check back and say, okay, what do we want to do? Do we want to exit who or what type of company is best to continue to, you know, ascend to this brand? Um, but right now we are, we're in it and it's been so much fun being able to do that and look at it that way and actually get very strategic and actually feel like, okay, we kind of know what we're doing now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After all these years and whatever, okay, we 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 kind of have a little experience here, so it it's been it's been awesome, and um, yeah, so it's it's been it's been fun. It is fun, and you ride the waves, and like you have those moments of, what are we doing? Wait, we know what we're doing. We're, this is where we're going. Wait, is that where we're going? So <laughs> everybody at some point in their Amazon business outsources, and I get this question a lot as a as a selling coach. Um, like what should they outsource first? And I'm just going to ask you, what did you outsource first or what will you outsource next? Yeah. So it's a blessing and a curse working with, you know, your, your partner, significant other. We have really 
the, the ability to do all the things, each one of us, and we kind of lean into different things ourselves. So outsourcing and bringing people on happened way later than it should have. I mean, I think that if people have the foresight to be able to do that early, that's amazing. That's something that it's it's you're also going to probably fail at that a little bit in the beginning. You just have to be okay with it. Um, but between us, we kind of wore all the hats for a long time. And then we um, sought out a well, we didn't see, I, I heard about or had been following Alex Sharfin for a while and he does like business operations. And so I looked into his program and we started learning that because that was, again, knowing how deficient we are in this area, everything that he talks about, I didn't even know what an SOP was like a few years ago. I was like, we didn't, why? We didn't have SOPs. He does his thing. I do I th- my thing. Like, he, you know, it's architect hammer type situation. That's it. We don't need SOPs. I'm not going to read this and take the time to do it. Right. So, but if you're going to grow a team and start outsourcing stuff, that has to happen. Um, and what he shares, and I'm, I'm very thankful for this part of what he shares is basically you have to analyze, you know, what you're doing and you have to take a minute and recognize those things that um, can be, you know, write a process for an offload and whatever. And I think it's really just analyzing your time. Um, I know people have talked before about like doing a two week time study and you really need to bring self-awareness to the things that you shouldn't be doing that somebody else should be doing. Um, you can start small, right? You can get, he, he actually says just getting a, um, an, a, like an EA first. So an executive assistant, um, which does not have to, you know, that can be virtual or whatever and start to, offload those things that you just shouldn't be doing. And if you can't see, if you're like, I don't even know, like, how are they going to do that? To me, I was like, are they just going to sit there and watch me? Like, I'm not going to put together a training manual because, again, I didn't know what an SOP was. So I'm like, oh, what? Are they just going to shadow? Are they going to shadow me for days? That I don't want anybody you know, sitting right next to me. Dude, this is ridiculous. Totally. So I had to learn. I had I had to learn that and start to get in the habit of and recognizing, okay, there is a process to this. And even though I, we need to standardize this, figure out what you know somebody else can do and then offload it to them. So um, reaching out to, to specialists that do this. I mean, these are these problems, any problem that we're faced with, I'm like, we're not unicorns. This is not, we are not the only ones that have ever had this problem. It's just, so because of that, like, Get creative and get resourceful. I think that's the biggest thing is recognizing that other people have done it. You know, I know that you guys, um, you guys coach sellers and stuff. I mean, that's the thing. Learn from other people. They're going to be able to guide you in that way. Right. And that is invaluable. Like, I just I can't even like stumbling and, and doing it yourself. We, we did a, a good amount of both, you know, and it's way better learning from others. Investing in yourself is just again, I've never there's not been one time that we have invested in something. I don't care how much of how little or how much or how little we got out of it or whatever. And when you say get out of it, it's really what you do with it. Because even if it's, it could be a lesson, it can be whatever, like there's, there's so much to be able to get from um, just, just learning from somebody that's kind of been through it and that can at least start to help point you in the right directions. And that's something that we got really good at was understanding, um, you know, and, and meeting people that could, that were, I guess, specialized in different areas and then recognizing if they don't know, like I would totally be able to reach out to you or Jamie if we were stuck on something. And I'm like, hey, guys, 
we're hitting this wall. Who do you know? Like, yeah. what do we do? Right. And so doing that, getting out there, making those connections, relying on people that are in this space that have been there, done that. I f- so many people feel like they're alone and it's just not true. Like there's people that have blazed the path. You know, you just have to find the people that you align with. You can either learn for free and go through and take forever to sift through stuff or you can work directly with somebody that's been there that has the confidence to be like, whoa, don't do that. Or, hey, do this or whatever. Um, and that is going to make the journey way better. Yes, I completely agree. And I love how welcoming the entire Amazon community is. We're all dying to share knowledge with everybody and like, oh, that happened to you. Hey, this happened to me. This is how I navigated. I mean, when I hear people have run out of inventory and I just feel for them because I've been there and I know what what, you know, it feels like. So I want to jump in and like help them solve it because it yeah. brings me back to when I've had those issues. And so sure. Uh, I think you're so smart. And probably the reason you guys have been so successful is to not just say, I have this all figured out and to get out to the events and realize like, um, maybe you love doing PPC. I don't know, but you know from going to events and and being involved in the Amazon community and space, like who's the best of the best with with PPC? And if you wanted to, you could reach out and bring them in. And I think that's part of staying power and going and learning from the people who are growing. They're not coming into Amazon as super shiny. Hey, Amazon, super cool. Okay, now I'm going to go, you know, do another platform Um, or you can do all the platforms, which is like people who come and go from Amazon. And we know we know in the industry, like who's been around for a while and who you can trust. So yeah. yeah, I love that, that that you're um, it's it's humbling, right? Like you're very humble yeah. with your business. For sure. And, you know, and I think and and just it, it's it's uncomfortable at first. And it's funny because I can remember I've actually recently gone into a couple of different events that have not been e-commerce. So like years ago, like we went to e-commerce, we like made all our friends and then you go back to the event and then they're like, oh, you got to meet this person. You got to meet this person. So you kind of get that like sense of comfort or security or it's it's exciting you're going to see your friends all the time and i know for some people that is not their jam right so they're like screw that i don't want to do that but i'm telling you whether you are an introvert or extrovert i have friends that are both and they know and and have pushed themselves outside of their comfort zone and it is absolutely imperative to connect with people or you are going to be on the struggle bus like i can't it's like a night and day situation when people even recognize that they, you know, were doing they were stressing and doing it all on their own and whatever. And then they'll go to an event or connect with people or whatever. And you gotta you gotta make yourself connect with people. Like nobody's gonna walk up and say, I mean some people do, hey, I'm you know, so and so, whatever. But you need to make it a point initially, you're taking in that content, but you're also trying to connect with people because it is that support. I know a lot of sellers do not work with their husbands and or, you know, their wives or whatever. And so you have to have that th- that like mindedness because it's weird. Like what we do, it's not so weird now, probably. But I mean, still, I mean, explaining to people what we do, they're like, "Oh, how's that little thing going? Oh, you have a you have a warehouse. People really buy that much dog stuff. You have a warehouse, and it's just like it's funny." And I'm like, "Yeah, that little thing's going pretty well. Like it's it's yeah. pretty hilarious, and it's and it's cool. Like you said, I mean, it's not like we're we don't need to run around with our Lambos, right? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. That we just it's it's such a cool 
space to be in. And like you said, the Amazon community, everybody in e-commerce, I feel, is so, um, just like you said, welcoming and down to earth for the most part. Like I've been to other types of events, like you go to marketing events, totally different story, right? Because they have to sell themselves and they have to be the one that's doing all the things. And their business is always doing amazing, regardless whether it's doing amazing or not, because it has to be because they have to sell themselves. So that's a whole different story. But um, it is. It's it's just going out there, putting yourself out there. You will not regret it. Connecting with people. And again, you can start that. You don't have to jump and go into an event. You know what? You can meet a couple of people on Facebook. You can start, you know, go into a couple of the groups. You can start getting into some of like the the paid memberships that are out there to where you start connecting and and just getting involved that way. Because then when you do go in an event, it's like, oh my gosh, I get to see my friend that I, you know, have been communicating with or seeing for a while and now it feels like we know each other and then you just continue to build that bond and grow and it really does strengthen your business but then their business um and it's it's wild it's wild to think of all the different people that we've met or traveled with over time um and that just helps the being you know that that staying power that sticking power that you know when you feel that you want to potentially quit or give up you need to have you know, that somebody in your corner to like kind of talk you off that ledge because it is hard. It can be very, very challenging. Um, And yeah, so I'm just thankful for the people that we've connected with. And it's been that has that has been a huge impact. And even for the executive coach that we're working with, you know, we were suggested um, this was suggested to us last year sometime with just a, a conversation I was having with Brandon Young. And he was like, oh, you know what? He's like, everything you're telling me, all your pain points that you're having is like, I really think this is what you need to do because you kind of sound like where, you know, Jennifer and I were before we started with this coach. Yeah. And so and so I was just like, okay, cool. Like we were just still working through our systems and process stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to double layer stuff on, but noted, thank you for recognizing that this is what a good solution, right? So he's he's just had a conversation. He is giving me a solution, right? That he knows because he is crushing his business and has an amazing community and all this stuff. So he does that. And then we're like, okay, noted. And then a few months later is when he was like, or I reached out and I was like, listen, we're about to, we're about to decide next year um, on a mentor. So we, we need to do this. Um, Give me, you know, your your guys info or however this works. Um, And we met with them and it was incredible like i'm so so thankful um and it's been that that outside perspective even though again john and i see things differently that outside perspective has helped tremendously and it's made that discipline and everything that i shared before even more so because it's still a challenge when you're in your business to kind of like even though you want to take a step back and kind of see it from the outside you really we're just too in it you know so having that outside perspective um and that that high level business executive perspective has helped tremendously as well. Yeah. And it's those easy conversations that make big changes, right? And it's awesome that you're just talking to Brandon and him and Jennifer are a husband and wife team as well. And yeah. you can just yeah. talk and, and get the the help. Yeah. That's yeah. super cool. It's amazing. Know you have some just at a party. Just at I was gonna say one of the other benefits, sorry, one of the other benefits was it was just at a party that he was sponsoring. So if you like if you like hanging out with people and going to really fun parties where you get, you know, free cocktails and stuff, there's another benefit. You don't have to, but I'm just saying, if that draws you in and, and gets you to go, just want to give you a, a little bit more of a, a push. There's definitely benefits to going to these events and, and connecting with everybody. 
Yes, definitely. The events are phenomenal. And then when you go back to your warehouse, it is, it, I had a warehouse too. And I don't now, and I highly recommend not getting a warehouse until you absolutely need one. But then For I sure. hear, yeah, and then I hear you have a warehouse and then all these other people, and I've seen Jamie's warehouses. But that's an intimidating thing to think like, oh, everyone has a warehouse. So when did you guys get a warehouse? So we have always, because of the nature of our product, we've always had a um in-house so like first it was in our house right <laughs> so in-house. you got it we got a warehouse and we just started growing out of it we're like this is ridiculous at first we thought it's so convenient that it's in our house and then it starts to make a mess in your house or even we had it in we had a very large garage and that was awesome and it served its purpose for a while but we're like okay this isn't gonna work we don't really if we're gonna have workers come in and do this we can't have you know pull them in um, and have them just like working out of our garage and this and the other. So um, it was a it was a couple of years ago, actually. And we you do grow fast. Like you get a warehouse and you're like, I need more space. I need more space. I need more space. So um, it was funny. We've moved to three different warehouses in I think it was less than two years. Well, two a little over two years. So basically it was like, yeah. So and we, it was like one or was it one and a half years? No, oh, yeah, it was about right about one and a half years, then another six months and another six months. Um, and that with, so with us again, because we have to have our products in house, I do know that if you do, and again, this is one of the problems, if you're able to not take your products in house, um, great. You know, there's three PLs out there that'll do it for you. A lot of, depending on where you're getting your product from, a lot of times they can send it direct to Amazon for you. We just have to touch and QC our product, one of our product lines, and that's always going to be. Um, so we will always bring it in. So because of that, again, the what problems do you want to solve for? And so we're like, okay, if we're going to do this, then we really have to get good at warehouse operations. And I'm telling you, that's nothing that I ever want to do in my entire life. It's a lot. It's really, right. it's it's fun. inventory management and all that stuff. It's it's fun because it's our business. My, my goodness, that I never aspired to be like, oh, I'm going to, we're going to rock this out when we're going to have this amazing warehouse operations. But we're right there to be able to totally offload that um, to a warehouse manager. So that is our next big hire. So we do have a, some few, a few um, part-time employees that, you know, come in and pack for us, but we're at the point to where we are right there getting everything in order with HR and systems and processes and our controls and everything, because that's, I mean, they're taking all of our inventory and that's going to be their responsibility. So we really needed to get our stuff dialed in first before bringing somebody in on that. Um, but that, you know, in the fall is going to be our hire. We already have a roadmap for that. And once that's done, I get my amazing president of a husband back so he can just crush all those other other areas that he loves working on when it comes to like different marketing things. And like he's great at research and like there's so much stuff that we have fun doing that. But right now he's been really focused on um, taking on the the warehouse operations and I've been helping like the systematizing and the the, you know, that aspect of it. And so we're so close to getting that done. And once that's done, like that's going to be something that I never thought we would ever accomplish because you think that it's so challenging and how do we break this down to have somebody else do all the things and it's just it's kind of like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and it seemed like this massive thing and it was I mean it's not a small feat to be like okay we're going to have you <laughs> handle all of our inventory and everything and manage this entire situation because it's going to be a I mean it's a skeleton crew we're going to have you know a full time we really don't have 
that much to where we had to figure out when we could actually bring somebody on full time. That that was a struggle as well because we're like, sure. who's going to take on this? We we're not even in there full time. Who? What kind of person are we going to get that's going to come in here part time and run a our entire warehouse? Right. So we needed to kind of figure that out. Um, and as you'll you'll see, like our bandwidth got you know stretched, and we're like, okay, I can now envision having somebody in here full time. Um, and that's a that's challenging because you're like, is it going to be worth it? Do we have enough work for them? How do we know? You know how? So I mean, it's just something you got to go through. Um, and like I said, I mean, I'm I'm very thankful that it's it's right around the corner and that's exciting. But it was uncomfortable for a long time. It was it was a challenge. Um, but again, a problem that a lot of people don't want to deal with. So we knew that we either again that was another factor on do we exit our business right or yeah. are we going to take this are we going to take this challenge on and so we're like okay. Let's let's take this challenge on. We figured out what it was going to take. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're right at the finish line with that. So that's so exciting. That is exciting. It sounds like you are in a great transition of a growth period for 2023, which solidifies for you why you're not going to sell. Yeah. And there's also the opportunity where you could be in a position to sell. Do Have you been approached to sell, I, especially during the, the selling craze? Yeah. Um, what it, yeah, what it was that like? Yeah. So we did. Um, and through that process, we met with some really awesome people, very intelligent, um, you know, and that was something that we didn't know about either. Right. So like um, I know and, and I actually mentioned this to Jamie when we were at um, PM Ehom and one of the biggest, most influential talks that I had heard that really started to rewire my brain was the first BDSS when Scott Dietz got up there and he talked about exiting. And I was like, and wait, I can sell my business? Like, I didn't even, it wasn't even like on the, like this, I don't, this is all foreign, right? So no SOPs, no understanding that you can sell your business. Um, So that was a big, you know, aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> we learn a lot from these events, right? So anyways, um, that was pivotal. And that was something that I started to understand, like, okay, I don't know anything about this. And we are not fully, like all the things he was talking about, we did not all have all of that. So again, we need to say, this is what we need to focus on. And whether you're going to exit or not, you need to start operating like that. You need to understand what makes a business um, that somebody else is going to want to purchase. Because if nobody, if, if nobody else wants to purchase it, why would you want it, right? Or you can right. run it as if somebody else like, oh, I made this amazing business and I'm I'm getting it prepped to sell or to exit or whatever. Well, if it's that good, maybe you just want to keep it and you get the you get to choose. Right. So that's what we did. We started on that path to let's build this to exit. Let's let's check all the boxes. Let's get what we need to do in order because we're highly deficient in all these things. And this is what it takes. And then once we did that, it was like, oh, well, maybe we don't. It's this is a good business now. Maybe maybe we don't want to sell it just yet, right? Yeah. And exit your business at some point. But I cannot I cannot suggest that anymore. Like I, I that is such a huge thing for. I don't care if you're even starting out. That's the stuff that you need to start paying attention to, so that as you're making decisions and as you're building your business, you can start doing it the right way, and you don't have messes to clean up. And so that to me, I mean, you look at it and a lot of people will be like, why would I start a business to exit? And I'm like, that's fine. Again, you don't have to exit it. But between his information, then I went on this, you know, again, understanding how deficient we were in this area. We went, I read Built to Sell. Um, and there's a lot of other information that are like stuff that you can read. Um, and it had been 
that that really kind of teed up like the direction that we were going in. Um, so yeah, that's that's I highly suggest that people start taking in following his information. I mean, it's it's amazing. And it saves you money when you set everything up properly from the beginning. And especially if you are building to sell with the end in mind and just having your back end of your seller central account not properly set up and having to pay attorneys or something to split things or separate. Um, yeah, those can be really costly. So that's a really good point is wherever you are in your Amazon selling journey, check and make sure that you're on track. If you were to sell this, that it's something that is easy for people to dive into because the selling process is not easy. It's not you know, all all Ferraris. No. Um, inside joke on the Ferraris. And just like, <laughs> that. We really invest our money back into our businesses. But sure. But yeah, it's 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 hard. And then when you have added layers of I don't want to call them mistakes, but learning opportunities that can cost you money. So yeah, congrats on cleaning that up and everything ahead for 2023. And before we say goodbye, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I haven't asked? I don't think so. I think we I think we uh, covered a lot there. So but yeah, this is again, thank you so much for having me on. And um, I hope that you know, people just take on the challenges that come their way and um, look at them like, you know, opportunities for growth um, within themselves and to get better. And if you do that, whether it's in business or in life, um, you're always going to continue to come ahead. So stick with it and um, just get better. And that's that's kind of the, the journey of life. Stick it out. You got it. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. And until next time, stay fearless. If you're looking to get started selling on Amazon or maybe need some help with your current sales on Amazon, go to fearlesssellers.com. That's a lot of S's in there. Fearlesssellers.com. Use coupon code FEARLESS for 50% off our next event. Thank you for listening to the Fearless Sellers, the Women of Amazon podcast. Until next time, stay fearless. Fearless.